Hey everybody, you are listening to yet another edition of Cocaine Willie. Tonight, we're joined by the great Jeremy Phoenix, the Raspy Voice Kids podcast from the 1012 Network, and I am your commissioner, Bob Trollsby. As always, we're going to be rounding this out with the great triumvirate of degenerates leading the show with my trusty co-hosts, the good chef Andre Napier and fireball Matt Marchesini. I can't, I don't know if I'm not going to, I don't know if I can stop laughing. Like, just fucking, his fucking toes in his mouth. I'm fucking <laughs> for, for those of you, for those of you who are joining us at the beginning of this show, uh, let's just say I, I shared, I shared the picture. I shared the picture with chef and fireball Matt of JT Daniels doing something with a, with a toe, with a foot in his mouth. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to that later. Uh, chef. Fireball Matt, how are y'all doing tonight? I'm doing great. You know, it's <laughs> I I'm this is like the most fun. Last week after the loss of Texas, uh I wasn't I wasn't disconnected from the football team, but I just, you know, a lot of stress was released. And then we beat the shit out of Baylor. And now it's I, I was not nervous for that game at all. And now it's West Virginia week. And I I'm I'm just really happy. I'm like jubilant about the season. I know it's coming to an end, which is really sad, but you know, I'm really happy in a good spot and I'm excited for the game and I'm ready to talk to my, my fellow podcasting friends, Matt. I know you're in a little bit of a different situation than you are usually for a podcast. What's going on? Yeah. What's up boys. I'm sitting in a parking lot outside of an LA fitness, but you know what? I'm ready to talk cats. I'm ready to talk cats. Huge win on Saturday. Let's recap it, boys. Let's let's just dive right in. Let's get into it. So the cats are back in the driver's seat for the second spot in the conference title game with a controlling, a commanding 31 to 3 under the lights and what the third blackout, I think, uh, on an away game for you know the fans to wear black in their stadium. So with that, Will Howard, a.k.a. Bill the Butcher, as I like to call him, he showed out. He showed up once again in relief for Adrian Martinez, and he just kept things clicking. He kept things clicking on offense while the defensive unit put up another brick wall against a good Big 12 offense during conference play. So the Cats are still, still undefeated when scoring 30 or more points this season. Gentlemen, how big was that win against Baylor? Dude, that's insane. I I didn't even oh God, I forgot about that stat. 30 plus points and we're oh my gosh, man, that's crazy. I wonder what the amount of points Bill the Butcher's averaging on the season. Because he I mean he had a a 31, he had a 40 48 nothing shutty. Man, that's tough. You know, the game was electric you know we we started off we were dinking and dunking you know it was controlling though it wasn't like not aggressive it was just it was just what adrian martinez when he starts getting warmed up kind of does and you know we were we were moving the ball we kind of fuddled around a little bit down towards um and no man's land got shut out on fourth down and then they started moving the ball i was getting a little bit nervous i'm not even gonna lie they started running the ball kind of at will, and it reminded me of, you know, what kind of Texas did. But we bowed up Kobe Savage. Shout out to Kobe Savage's dad. And, you know, I, I hate 
what happened to Kobe, but he had a, a absolutely monster pick right there. Um, returned it out a little bit, got uh, hit with some penalties, but right from that moment, we were just on and we started moving the ball. Adrian got hurt, but Bill the Butcher, like you said, he came in, Will the Thrill, whatever you want to call him, just put some respect on that boy's name. He's doing his thing, and this is his team now. He led us to a monster victory. Someone someone tell me I'm wrong. Well, I won't tell you that you're wrong. Um, you know, Will coming in the game again for Adrian, uh, you know, he came in, and it wasn't necessarily the performance like Oklahoma State, but I don't think that's a performance you can recreate every game in the season he came in and did what he needed to do you know he looked really good um, throwing the football um, and and he really managed the offense very well on the road and at the end of the day if you score 31 points in the big 12 that's going to keep you in most games through the season um, that's for damn sure and the defense played lights out yet again and, and keeping Blake Shapin's offense out of the end zone I it this was a highly impressive game on the road. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a game that I, all of us were a little bit worried with this team going to Baylor, as we've seen teams, K-State teams go to Baylor and, and struggle. This is a team that just played played lights out in it, it, kind of in a way that it wasn't necessarily you know, impressive, but it was just like, damn, you know, they, they got what they needed to get done. They put all the puzzle pieces together and just showed that they're the second best team in the Big 12 as a. And it's kind of bananas. Like, I mean, the just, I know you brought up, I know we just brought up the whole team, but the defense in almost what? I mean, half the games this season, at least. I mean, this was our 10th, that was our 11th or 10th game. I mean, we had a shutout in the first game. We basically held Missouri out of the end zone until. I mean, literally the last play of the game. So, really, I count that as a no touchdowns in that game. Oklahoma State, no tutties. Iowa State, no tutties. Baylor, no tutties. That's five games, basically, right there. That's crazy, dog. Yeah, and like, and six and, games, six games a season that we've held teams to twelve points or less, and and it's twelve points because Mizzou scored that untimed down touchdown, which was just garbage to begin with, but. Um, yeah, I mean the the defense they they pitched essentially yet another shutout. It's just been awesome to see them just put up a brick wall on these on these good offenses. It's not like Oklahoma State or or Baylor are bad offenses. Oklahoma State was the number nine team in the country, and and Spencer Sanders was you know getting all this hype and preseason uh, first team All Big Twelve quarterback like. they are they are beating good teams they are beating good teams by a lot and the defense is carrying them statistically in ways that we haven't seen a defense carry this i mean kansas state football team since 2012 and i think i saw something like statistically this is the best defensive unit we've had since like 2003 or something insane like that and i we have to give a shout out to joe klanderman this year right he he has done a great job coming in after Scotty Hazleton left. And I mean, he wasn't, he just announced as a semifinalist for the Royals award this year. Yeah, he sure was. Um, yeah. 
and there, there's a reason for that. I mean, he's built this defense from the ground up, brought the right personnel in, the right character guys, whether from high school or the transfer portal, as we've seen in the past couple of years. And it's this is by far, you know, one of the best one of the best defenses in the Big Twelve. And it's all because of what he's been able to bring in and just the mindset of maintaining maintaining Big Twelve offenses to under their mean in points. I mean, that's a key thing and, and we have to give him a ton of And that's gonna be that's gonna be a critical element as we head into uh, the get the game against West Virginia, because uh, they're a fairly high powered offense. I think they're scoring on average thirty one points a game. So it's it's gonna be critical uh, even coming into this weekend and, and next weekend too with with KU if they have Jalen Daniels back that's going to be a fairly high powered offense as well so it's it's going to be an interesting next couple of weeks I think real quick I do want to touch on on just a couple statistics I mean offensively Will Howard was not 196 yards throwing with three touchdowns I mean Will Will's the guy now Adrian is is out for I, I guess as long as I guess indefinitely for at this point uh, climate didn't seem super positive about the outlook other than he may potentially be back for a bowl game. And, and I think for Adrian's sake with everything he's done for this team and everything he's done throughout his career deserves that because one of the reasons he came to K state is so he can compete and, and play in a bowl game. So I hope he gets that opportunity, but for the time being, and, and for the indefinite future, Will Howard's the guy and this team is rallying around. Will, Will is a guy that over the last three years, he's been in the same situation where the starting quarterbacks gotten injured He's had to come in relief, and and this year we've really I know I've mentioned this a few times now, a few of, of the past few weeks, but he's really starting to see that maturity and and experience of being a quarterback at the Power Five level for three years now, and starting against teams like Oklahoma State three years straight, uh, or coming into relief uh, in those situations. We're starting to see that culminate. We're starting to see him. Uh, really take ownership of this team and ownership of this offense. And I love what Klein is doing to scheme uh, around him and that situational play calling that we, that we, you know, was a little bit hit or miss with Courtney Messingham and, and some of the complaints about that in the, in, you know, K-State circles. We're seeing that situational play calling being done right, being done well under Colin Klein, especially with Will Howard. It definitely feels like the offense is more efficient um, and, and to speak on Deuce real quick as well, Deuce and DJ, Deuce led the day rushing with 106 yards on 25 carries. He was critical as the second leader, uh, second leading pass catcher in both targets um, and yards with 50 yards and seven catches for touch, one for touchdown uh, for a total of 156 total all purpose yards. Um, so Deuce had another great day. DJ Giddens as well had a very good day with 58 yards rushing and a touchdown uh, and one catch in the passing game for uh, for 11 yards. So I, I love how we're mixing DJ Giddens into the rushing game as well. The dude is barreling over defenders. I love putting him into some of those first and second down plays to try to get four to five chunk yards, chunk plays as as chef. Uh, I think you mentioned in your in your key to V, but it's keeping the offense moving. It's taking some of the workload off of deuce and, and some of the burden off of deuce. He had that really good 17 yard run on a first down to put us into Baylor territory in the fourth quarter. I've loved the improvement that I've seen out of DJ Giddens this year. Um, and, and I think it's going to, it's going to only help and, and make me feel like I have some peace of mind going into next season, knowing that we still have him as kind of that power back 
even if we do lose Deuce to to the NFL draft. But want to hear y'all's thoughts on on the offense real quick. Yeah, um, I felt offensively we. As I kind of said before, I felt Will managed the game really effectively. And Colin Klein put a really good game plan in um, that, you know, if we were in a position where we really needed to try and, and make this game a shootout, um, I I think we would have a, a really good chance at, you know, coming out with a win anyway. But the, the biggest thing that we've seen with Will Howard this year is how comfortable he is in the offense, which I think is – just as wonders to what Colin Klein is able to do on his side. Um, and just calling plays that allow Will to use arm. He isn't necessarily running the football a ton, but he's just he, – you're, you're putting your quarterback in smart situations to where you aren't necessarily having to make super difficult decisions because we've got Deuce Vaughn in the backfield and DJ Giddens, and, and we've had – you know, Malik and Cade Warner, and obviously Ben Sinnott had an amazing game from the tight end position. Uh, the offense was effective. And as we end the year with two games that are going to be tough, one on the road and then obviously KU for the last game of the year, we need an offense that's going to be effective in big situations. And I think Will is going to come through in the next couple games, just like he did at the Baylor um, in Waco. I've been really proud of him and what he's been able you guys are nailing it, and it's it's all true. And the thing about Will Howard, I mean, you could you could see it kind of happening with, um, I mean, even last year. Let's let's be honest. I mean, Oak, the Nevada game was not a bad game, but now he's kind of come, like you said, he's coming into his own, and it's not so much like the like knowing the offense because even when he was a very true freshman, seventeen year old. He knew what plays we were running. It's not like he's an idiot. He's he's a smart young man, but he's so comfortable playing the game inside the pocket, knowing, like Kleiman said it in his presser, like it's not not so much knowing where the blitz is, but like what they're doing on the opposite side, where he knows to go where with the football, because he he's inside the pocket, he's just so much more comfortable with his abilities where to check off, where, when he could take shots, what balls he can throw. I mean, and you could see it just in inside the Baylor game. It's just a crazy synopsis of, like, the exact game. Like, Baylor had a zone, and he had a window to throw Ben Sennett a touchdown. And, I mean, that thing couldn't have been but, like, a two-foot window, and he put that ball right there. And that's a strike that he throws with confidence. But then throughout the game, we have a lead. We need completions. We need to get the ball into playmakers' hands. And Deuce Vaughn, I don't know the stats. Bob, you might be able to tell me about it. I think he had like eight catches, and they're checkdowns. And we're we're scheming them across the middle. We're doing different things. But Will Howard is finding a way to complete those balls. And his freshman year, he was not doing that. He's panicking. He's like, oh, my first look's here, and I'm going to throw it. And it's probably intercepted. But, you know, yeah. this year he's like, okay, I feel the pressure. Check it down to Deuce. Let him get four. And we're, we're, we're moving. And like you said, what I said for the key to V, if we're throwing it on first down, we can't have incompletions. We have to get something. And I know we took a lot of shots at Adrian at the beginning of the year for checkdowns, but that's, it's a totally different thing 
when you have open receivers and you're not looking for them, you're automatically going for the check down. You're not going to be able to move the ball. You have to keep a defense honest. And Will Howard is willing to do that by throwing that ball into tight windows, but also knowing that we have to get yards on first down if we're going to throw it and get that check down. And it's just the playmakers all over the field. I know we've touched on Ben Sennett just a little bit ago, but I mean, he needs his flowers. I mean, this season, I don't know if we've had a Riley Moore, but he he wasn't doing the things that Ben Sennett's doing right now. That was that was a Gronkowski a, level touchdown catch that he had. Oh, um, oh, it was for insane. Sure. Going it up was one of the most it. incredible plays by a tight end I've ever seen a K Stater make. Yeah, I mean, you don't see that from our tight end unit where. We're blockers, and and coming into the season, that's what I thought we were going to get out of Benson. It we were going to get more of an H back. I thought we were going to get see a lot more of the plays that we saw for Jack Stenine for Benson. It running into the flats, catching in the flats, and I mean he does that too. But this this really shows what he could do, and it and we kind of saw it versus the Oklahoma game those deep crossers catching it. And if he has a safety or a nickel on him, he's going to carry that guy for like four or five yards at least. And he's too big and he's too athletic. He'll go up and get it. And if you have a linebacker on him, good luck. I mean, he'll hurdle you. It's just, it's He needs his flowers and he is next year. I don't know if we're talking next year because I heard kind of the little whispers from Bob saying what we're going to get next year. This dude is going to be a stud. Well, and so at the beginning of the season, I had my money on – who's going to be a player that we're going to talk about on a weekly basis. And my player was Sammy Wheeler. And it was mostly because I felt that the tight end position was going to be utilized a lot more effectively um, with Adrian and obviously with Will now. So I wasn't necessarily expecting that Ben Sennett was going to be the guy um, that we've seen him be. But this was exactly what I was expecting from that position. Um, And what we've seen with Chris Kleiman's teams in the past, especially at North Dakota State, you know, leveraging the tight end position, um, you know, I felt was going to be really the key this year. Ben Sennett had, that was one of the, as, as you've all said, one of the best performances we've seen from a tight end in a very long time. Not to disrespect six foot eight Andre McDonald against Miami, but this was um, the Ben Sinek game. You had to put it in quotations and rightfully. Yeah. He, he led the day for wide receivers and tight ends. So he led the day for receptions with 89 yards and two touchdowns on, on seven total receptions. He had one less than deuce, but uh, 89 yards is, is incredible. Um, he totally gronked a Baylor defender for one of his touchdowns. Like we, like we were talking about, and it was frankly one of the most acrobatic catches I've seen in a K state game by a tight end in a very, very long time. Maybe it was Andre McDonald, but let's go ahead and pivot over to the defense. I I think what I want to talk through real quick is, is I want to talk about that play that Kobe Savage made. Um, But first off, Austin Moore, once again, I, I feel like we're saying this every single week. He led the team in tackles with eight total Khalid Duke had had uh, he had the only tackle for a loss, but the Cats just totally dominated Baylor on defense. There were two interceptions. We held them to 22 minutes of position possession, and Baylor was only four for 12 on on third down and 0 for three on fourth down. And, and really, those those three turnovers plus the two uh, turnovers on down plus the two interceptions those were incredibly incredibly critical to the Cats making making that 
massive, massive victory that they had on, on Saturday. But um, despite Kobe Savage's injury, he had a massive game changing play on Baylor's first drive. And, and after the cats were held scoreless on, on their first drive, Baylor was cooking with grease. They, they drove down to the field in four minutes. They got down to the K-State 17-yard line and then shaping through that interception to Kobe, and, and that helped set up a 97-yard drive for the Cats on their on their second possession. So that was an incredibly critical moment that, that changed the momentum of the game because Baylor – had Baylor scored there, this thing could have gone completely differently than what we're talking about now. And and I, I all credit to Kobe Savage there. I, I know his dad's not in the room anymore, but uh, he's a, he's a big cocaine Willie fan from what we've gathered thus far, but let's, let's chat about the defense real quick. Any other takeaways aside from what we've already talked through guys? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in here real quick. You know, things I'm looking at, you know, if you ask any coach or whatever, what, what the K-State defense is, it's, physical and we've finally got our bodies back to where we can play that physical downhill attacking defense that'll that'll stick their head in there and lay the wood and you know drake cheatham comes to mind he had an interception in this game as well i mean he but he's a physical tackler i mean he's new he was newcomer player of the week this week um in the big 12 defensively or i don't even know if that's a defensive award but i mean he was newcomer of the week this week and daniel green i mean you cannot speak more highly of a kid than daniel i mean not even a kid a man he's finally healthy at the rib injury he's obviously protecting it still but you know he is moving around so much better and it's it's finally giving austin more that kind of breather he's not having to carry the weight of the linebacker unit and it's great to have Daniel Green cooking again. He's sticking his head in there. He was he was talking so much shit after Blake Schaefer tried to lower his head on him because he was doing that all day. And he put the wood to Blake uh, the Schaefer, and it it just changed a lot of the style that he was running with that night. And it was it was good to see. And it it's kind of disappointing. Another thing I'll mention: it's disappointing that we didn't get to the quarterback. You know, they were they were getting the ball out of there quick, but you, you kind of want to see the defense to put more pressure on the quarterback. We were rushing the three, and we were blitzing quite a, quite a bit too, but he was just getting it out so quick. And I don't know if that's from our pressure or from, from our rushes that he's getting it out quick, or was that just their game plan? But either way, I mean, it's just a pure all-around defensive effort that was – I mean, it's all timer. Let's let's be honest. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think the the key thing with the defense that we see week to week is the physicality that they bring in the trenches. It's the athleticism that we see from the linebacking core as well as the quarterbacks and safeties. To I, I feel like I've said this for most every week. When we get the quarterback uncomfortable to where they're making tough decisions, it has turned out really, really well for us in, in those certain plays that go throughout the game. So just to be able to continue that uh, into the Baylor game where, you know, the second half of the Texas game, the defense played really, really well, but we just couldn't, you know, we couldn't get back to what we gave up in that first half. This team has played six quarters of really good, really good football. Um, and so I have to 
feel that, you know, going to Morgantown, it's going to be another really tough game and another tough environment. Is the defense going to show up? I have confidence that it will. Um, is it going to show up like the, the game in Waco? I don't know. But if we have the ability to come through and, and really maintain that type of physicality and that type of play, I like our chance. Couldn't agree more. I think the the last thing that we want to chat through, and then we'll throw it over to uh, to Jeremy Phoenix. We've got some some questions lined up for him. But on the special team side of the ball, it wasn't anything out of this world, but nothing that detracted. Which, after some of the things we've seen this season, you know, that's a good thing. We we don't want anything special teams wise to detract from the performance. We had Ty Zentner. Uh, one for one on on field goals and four for four on extra points. He was um, he was had a great forty eight yard punt as well, uh, and the longest return that we saw by anybody was by Philip Brooks for thirteen yards. So we kind of continued the streak of nothing super noteworthy from a return perspective. I'm hoping that maybe we can we can bust something out against West Virginia or KU. We'll see, but you know, at the end of the day, as long as nothing special teams wise is detracting from the performance, then then that's a good thing. Um, do you guys have anything? Yeah, go ahead. You know, I'd, yeah. I'll just say, I mean, Ty Zentner is performing at an all big 12 level, but you know, I kind of want to see Chris Tennant get back in there, whether it's on whatever unit it is on, you know, I mean, he has to have the leg to be able to do the kickoff, uh, kickoff, uh, duties, I want to see him get back in there, get some confidence because we're going to need him because Ty Zentner will not be here next year. So, you know, I want to see him get back in the flow of things, participate in something. But Chris Tennant is, he needs his flowers. He is, I mean, he's God level leg right now. So I have nothing to add. I mean, I think the, the biggest piece with special teams is it has been a little disappointing. Um, from the return game, um, I've come to basically come to terms that that isn't our MO this season has it been for the past, you know, whatever, 20 years, but um, it is what it is. So, you know, as long as we're just continuing to, you know, get past the 25 on kickoffs and, uh, you know, if Ty Zentner continues to make field goals, I think that's fine. The one beautiful thing I will say is that, uh, this game, obviously Malik Knowles got banged up in the Texas game and he wasn't on kick. He wasn't on kick returns this week, which was uh, kind of news to me. And I was a little surprised, but it's funny when he's not on kick return, uh, we get a basically shutout and we never had to return a kick. So it was so, it was so funny. Like the one kick return that we had a chance at Philip Brooks was back there and they just kicked it in the end zone. So maybe Hopefully Malik Knowles is back again on kick return, but if not, you know, let's just pitch a shutout and we won't have to worry about it. Let's pitch a shutout indeed. And I, I know one guy over here is is probably not looking forward to, to that happening if it does, and that's Jeremy Phoenix. Jeremy, we appreciate having you on. Or bummed that your brother couldn't make it, but it looks like he's having a great time over overseas. Tell us a little bit more about uh, that vacation and why you didn't get the invite to it. Well, first of all, can you guys hear me fine? Yeah, yeah, you're yes, all good. Sir. Yes, sir. All right, all right, all right. Well, first of all, first of all, let me be be clear. That's my bro, and I definitely got the invite. I just got a new job, so congrats. I didn't have vacation time because I start. Yeah, because I because I started a new job like three months ago. So I was supposed to, didn't work out. But he's enjoying himself. He has the you know flying WV. 
in front of the pyramids on the camel, man. I'm surprised the, the, the camel can handle his weight. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but still, it was a good picture. Um, let me just say real quick, I'm listening to you three talk, and I'm listening to you guys go on and on. And I love listening to a program who has something to be excited for. <laughs> listen to, listen to, listening to a program that actually has hope. Man, that, 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 it's the like a, that the sun shines. I was uh, going to say, it's like you read the outline before, uh, before you hopped on today. That's my first question for you is, I mean, what's going on? What's happening in Morgantown? Hey man, um, so traditionally, obviously, we we have a great program, and I don't. I, I think most people know that when you look at West Virginia, we're the winning, winningest program ever in the history of college sports, uh, basketball and football. Who's no, never won a national championship? Some people look at that as a chip on the shoulder, like great thing. Some people look like, oh man, that that means you're doing something bad. All I know is we've won a whole lot of football games. Um, I'm not going to compare Kansas State to West Virginia because, honestly, like if you look at the stats, there's no comparison. Um, but in the overall head-to-head, we're 6-6. Six six. We're, we're split right down the lane. Although we took five in a row, you guys did win last year. Um, but right now in Morgantown, this is the product of, uh, of when you make a bad decision. I won't say bad decision because Neil Brown, when he was hired, the vetting system seemed to be right. Everybody in the country was talking about how he's one of the best coaches. He was a finalist for Everyone our was job. Right. He was a finalist for our yeah. job and came down to him and Kleiman, and we went with Kleiman. So, yeah, 100%. No, no, that's what I'm saying. So so I don't think there was a problem with that. Uh, sometimes it just doesn't work out. I think the reason why Shane Lyons, our athletic director, which I'm sure you guys are aware of, got the ax a couple days ago is because he extended him two years ago. Two years ago, uh, maybe a year or two years ago, one of the two, um, he gave him a guaranteed contract. So now if we decide to fire him, we owe him $20 million. I think by the end of the season, it'll be $16 million. But he gave him that that contract extension for no reason. And that's the big reason why this dude was, I mean, our athletic director, director got on the chopping block because when you attach your uh, your wagon to a horse, that's your horse. Neil Brown was his horse. Neil Brown was his baby. Extending him even, you know, intensified that. Now that things aren't going the way that we would like them to because we're accustomed to winning. Now, I'm not saying, you know, winning 10 games a year, nine games a year, but definitely winning more more than being 500. That's not happening. So what you're seeing is repercussions from that. Okay, well, I'll say this. I mean, that's a little bit of like the off the field thing. I mean, it's all kind of tied into that on the field thing. But, you know, you guys are four and six. There's still bowl eligibility left. You know, are, is the team still fighting for that? I mean, there's no lost hope. Obviously, obviously we saw last week you, you put a spark in at quarterback and you get a dub versus a team you've never beat since you've been, to, been in the Big 12. What – is this team still fighting? Is there still hope? Because yeah. it, it kind of seems like the writing's on the wall for Neil Brown, but, I mean, the team's still there, right? Now, you say the writing on the wall. I actually was on uh, television here in West Virginia earlier today, and I said that. Meeny, meeny, Tico, and Parson, the four words literally that comes from writing on the wall, literally comes from King Nebuchadnezzar. The writing comes on the wall. The four words that appeared were meeny, meeny, Tico, and Parson. Nobody could interpret them. But literally, Daniel, the prophet Daniel, comes in, and it meant your days are numbered. That's Neil Brown. His days are numbered. He's done. He's done. Anybody can tell you what you want. Um, or, or tell you this and that. The bottom line is this. I can use an analogy if I want to, but I'm just keeping it real. He has the rest of the year. 
he's going to finish this year, then he's going to be done. Surprisingly, surprisingly so though, this team hasn't quit on him. And like you said last year, last week, perfect example. We were three and six at one point, uh, two weeks ago. Excuse me, we were three and six, and yet we still came out here against a team that we've lost nine straight times against and played ball. Now, granted, it was raining. Granted, they couldn't throw the ball against our poorest uh, secondary, but our team was still battling. So despite it all, despite Neil Brown, he's definitely going to be gone after this year. Um, the team's still fighting. The, the team's still playing hard, which is surprising to me because most of the time when you get to this point, the coach loses their team. That's not the that's not the way it is at West Virginia. So I'm not saying that we're going to beat Kansas State. What I will say is, is I don't think we're going to roll over. I don't believe we're going to roll over. I think they're going to fight for their coach, even though he has no hope of actually coaching after this year. Yeah, you know, and – this year has been at the quarterback position. Um, very interesting. I, I don't know if that's a good term for it, but, um, you know, there was a lot of hype with JT Daniels. Um, he's been a big storyline for the team this year. Um, he's been a little bit of a turnover machine, but he's looked really good um, throwing the football. Um, but we saw Garrett Green last week in the game against Oklahoma. Um, three total touchdowns, 257 all-purpose yards, obviously not great weather. But, uh, I mean, who do you think is going to play quarterback this weekend? You think it's going to be JT? You think it's going to be Garrett? Big who call player you... of the week offensively. I mean, yeah. yeah. That was cute. That was cute. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, lo- I love Garrett Green. I love his fire. Um, he did some good things. He came in there. Uh, he did what he needed to do to get the win. JT Daniels is a five-star quarterback for a reason. The truth is, don't, don't say he's a little banged up. No, the dude is hurt. There's a big difference between the first five or six games and these last few games that he's played. The zip on the ball, I don't know what his problem, I don't know what his injury is, but the dude is injured. I honestly don't feel like he should be on the field. Neil Brown keeps putting him out there. So I think that they're going to split reps. But if I were you guys, I would hope to see JT Daniels. And the reason why I say that is because you guys play a lot of bump and run coverage, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're a man on the, yep. we're man Island corners. And, you know, I mean, yeah. if you listen to coach Klein, uh, Klein and talk, he said, we're going to play a little bit more zone, but I think that's kind of just indicating it depends on what quarterback we. Yeah. If, if, if you play man, JT Daniels has no chance. Our, our quarterback, I mean, our receivers, there's sometimes the, and then against on press coverage the last four years, especially if you watch the games, we played Oklahoma state, we can't get off the jam. I like our guys, but if you can't get off the jam, you can't get off the jam. We can't get off the jam. Before, we were running the ball pretty solid. Now, James Gamitter's hurt for the year. He's done. Actually, I think he's done permanently. A couple other injuries on the offensive line. We're not running the ball like we did at the beginning of the year. The only chance West Virginia has, in my opinion, is you put out that X factor. Everybody knows if you have a running quarterback where now it's truly a a dual option, hand off the ball, keep it at quarterback, that's the only chance – to really switch things up. I think Kansas State's defense is so good that you're going to need somebody like Garrett Green. I'm not saying he's the best passer. I know for sure he doesn't read the defense the best. But I do also realize that when things break down and things don't go according to plan, he's one of our fastest players on the team. And you need somebody like that to generate just a chance, just a chance. Because if we go straight up, JT Daniels at quarterback is not going to get open receivers because they're going to be on lockdown. They're going to be on islands, like you said. So if I, if I were Kansas State, I'd be hoping, hoping to see 
our starter, JT Daniels, the five-star, instead of the, you know, the enigma, maybe, in Garrett Green. The, the one thing I will say to that, though, is Garrett Green, he seems like a true dual threat and a running quarterback. And the one thing that K-State's been known for really the last 30 years is being able to have those dual threat running quarterbacks. And, and Adrian Martinez is one of those guys. Granted, he's not going to be playing this weekend, but we, I think, know how to scheme for that, at least on defense, because our scout team guys are, are you know, they, they know how they know how to how to go against that that offense. And by the way, I'm not saying you're not correct. I'm also saying that that's our only chance because Daniel's <laughs> dropping back, throwing to open receivers. Uh, what open receivers? I, well, I will say <laughs> if, I mean? if it is the backup quarterback, I mean, West Virginia has been known to pull the wet, the backup quarterback and beat the shit out of K-State. I think it was, was it Daigie like three years ago in Manhattan when yeah, he was, yeah, I don't know if he was yeah. a freshman, but he he came out of nowhere and was dropping dimes on yeah. us. We had no answer for it. So, yeah. I mean, that's the only kind of like, I get a little nervous when West Virginia brings out a backup quarterback. I'm like, oh If shit. I was Kansas State, I would be nervous about West Virginia. Not because West Virginia has shown you so much. Not because we have a dual threat quarterback a little bit in Garrett Green. I don't think he's as accurate as Deggy. Um, but college football is just like college basketball. It's all about mat- matchups. Just sometimes you just match up well with teams. And there's sometimes, I don't care how good you are, you just don't match up well with teams. And for some reason, West Virginia seems to match up with Kansas State favorably other than last year. Like I said, we've won five or six times. I'm not telling you we're going to win this year. I'm just saying there's something about Kansas State and there's something about the way they run that we seem to match up decently solid against. That's the only little things that give me hope. I hope the defense plays inspired. I mean, our defensive line can come to play. Now, I don't think we're going to shut down Deuce Vaughn, but uh, Dante Steele's number 55, all-time leader, tackle for lost at West Virginia, um, gets held every play, and that's the truth. His daddy played for the Chiefs. His older brother was a beast. Um, he's a monster. And our defensive line is pretty solid it's the secondary that's the problem. It's the secondary that, that concerns me. But like I said, we match up pretty we, – we always seem – I don't know if it's a scheme or what, but we always seem to match up pretty well with, uh, with Kansas State. So plus it's in Morgantown. So those are some positives if you are a WVU fan, which none of your listeners are. Well, the thing, the thing that's interesting, I know you mentioned five of six, and, and there was a five, five-year five win streak there. But before that, there was a four-year, or I guess five-year, if you count the uh, the matchup from 1931 or whatever. But there's a five-year streak for K-State, too. So I, I'm, my hope is that we're going to rattle off another four, and yeah, then it'll I, flip I the script in five years or something. So um, I think I, I think real quick, you, you, you made a joke there of uh, what wide receivers, but we do know a couple names Caden Prather and Bryce Ford Wheaton those those guys are freaks I mean they're they're incredibly athletic when they can get open they're going to be able to make big plays the tight end room at the same time though is is virtually non-existent from everything I've heard and and the running backs do look solid so so maybe let's dig in a little bit more on the offense who are some of the players that we should watch for outside of Garrett Green uh and and I mean, who's going to be the key to you being able to pull out a victory this weekend? There is nobody you're going to look at. I'm being honest. I would love to say, hey, look for this guy. Hey, look for that guy. I'm being honest. It's a crapshoot. So Bryce Ford Wheaton, he's a strong guy. And you know what? And he's made some in-traffic catches. He's going to have to do it. Prather, younger guy. He has a little, you know, he has a little game to him. Sam James, none of these guys are tens, but they sometimes show up. Sometimes they don't. Um, 
Our biggest player is C.J. Donaldson, the freshman who was a tight end to start the year. And then the first game of the year, right before the game started, we switched him to running back, and he goes off against Pitt. He got hurt. He's done for the year. So the other two running backs that you're going to see, Mathis and Johnson, they're good. They're wig- they wiggle a little bit. They got a little explosion. But honestly, they're nothing that's going to wow you. Um, these receivers are nothing that you haven't seen in the Big 12. Our X factors are two things. The two things. Well, it should be three things, offensive line, but the offensive line's a little banged up. There are, are two things. Can Graham Harrell show why he we brought him in from USC to be the offensive coordinator by calling some great plays? And two, what's Garrett Green going to do? Because right now, that, that's all we got. There's nobody that I think that you guys will look at and circle and be like, oh, we got a double cover. Oh, we got to make sure this running back does. No, no, there's, there's nobody on offense. And that's the truth. That's the straight up truth. Now, what I did see, there's no tight ends who are really going to ball on you. But last week against Oklahoma in the rain, now, I don't know if we continue this, but we kept putting two tight ends on the field and they were blocking really well. So if we go with a power style offense where we have two tight ends and them guys really impressed me, I did not see that coming. Um, and then once again, you got the double, you know, Green can hand it off or keep it himself. That might be a little, you know, niche, little, little thing that you guys haven't seen before. But uh, this is just going to be gut and will. This is not going to be anything consistent from West Virginia if they beat Kansas State. It's going to be gut and will. I've got a quick little ad lib question, though, before we move over to uh, to digging in on defense. But uh, you mentioned Graham Harrell. He's been heralded as one of the one of the better offensive minds in the game. Assuming you fire Neil Brown, the writing's on the wall, like you're saying, do you want to keep Graham Harrell or do you want to see him go ahead and part ways? No, absolutely want to keep Graham Harrell. Uh, I haven't been impressed in some of his play calls these last few games. Early on, we could have scored a lot more points. Um, I honestly kind of do feel that some of his uh, deficiencies are personnel-based. But after one year, you give him more time. And, and, and it's like, like this year, he didn't show anything. Like you said, we're averaging 31 points, and you better believe that really didn't came, come from the last few games. But um, I, I think Graham Harrell is something that we need. Now, will he stay? I don't know. Right now, <coughs> right now, he could he could be leaving the field, whispering in JT Daniels' ear, hey, hey, hang back a little bit. Hey, uh, you pick a spot, and we're going to both bounce at the end of this year. It's possible. Maybe they both leave. I don't know. But do I want him back? I absolutely do. I, I I want Graham Harrell back. It's an upgrade from the offense that we had the last few years. So yeah, I will I would love to have Graham Harrell back. Well, I mean, you brought up uh, Stills earlier on the defense. Let's switch a little bit to that defensive side of the ball that the Mountaineers. I don't know if they hang their hat on it, but I mean, that's usually traditionally what those Mountaineers do. I mean, you guys, you guys, have you, take it, this year? take it easy on me. Take it easy on me. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm taking, I'm thinking, you know, one week at a time. And the last week that I saw y'all, okay. y'all held, y'all held Oklahoma to 20 points. So, you know, I'm thinking uh-huh. a guy that popped on the screen for me was a KC Mo uh, native Jazir, I think it's Jazir Cox. Yeah, that boy, yeah, yeah. Com- and he's from North Dakota State, so you know them. The climbing kind of knows of him, and I think we recruited him too. And that boy can play. So I mean, who's who's another guy that? And I think y'all switched some positions too for this week. What was uh, some? Give me some guys. Give me some dudes. I can't give you dudes, man. That's you gotta give me some dudes. Look, Come. look, look. 
our defense, our defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. Now I know these last, in the words of Bar Scott, he, they couldn't stop a nosebleed. Okay. These last few weeks, we've been playing better. Jazeer Cox is the spears. He, spear, he comes up. Jacoby Spells, he's a freshman from Florida. The dude, can, he can cover. He's a freshman, but he has given up some uh, catches over the middle. Uh, Pogba, middle linebacker, he's number eight. He's going to be all over the field making sacks. I mean, not sacks, but making plays. Our defensive line, there's there's a plethora. Jordan Jefferson, uh, uh, Alford, Dante Stills. But the truth is, our defense is, is our Achilles heel this year, specifically talking about the secondary. Now, usually, our defensive coordinator, Jordan Leslie, we usually have a great product, like you, you said, or a respectable product on defense. This year is not one of those years. There's a lot of people calling for his head. I think that's too far because you're allowed – if you've shown me three or four good years, you're allowed to have one bad year. This year, the truth is, we got hit by the transfer, transfer uh, portal – we never made it up. We got these guys like Jakir, Jazeer uh, uh, Cox, and Ajay, and there's a couple other guys from other schools, and they haven't materialized. Like, we're poor at tackling. We're poor at covering. Uh, the reason why we look better against Oklahoma, because I am i don't know if you watched the game, uh, it was pretty much a hurricane. Yeah, I saw that. Okay, maybe I not. saw that first it, half. It was pretty monsoonish. There, there were receivers getting open, but you can't get them the ball when it's raining that hard. So we got fortunate there. And I'm not trying to kill the defense. I love I, uh, Jordan Leslie as a defensive coordinator. I really respect him. I'm just saying, let's be honest. Our defense, man, it's rough. It's rough. This year on defense, we're rough. And it's the first time we've been here. So like every game, every Mountaineer fan just crossing their fingers. Hopefully that defensive line can get to the quarterback before, because when the ball goes in the air, we already know uh, one or two things are going to happen. Either A, the ball's going to be caught. Or B is going to be pass interference. That's those are the only options. So I, I mean, I understand offense is struggling, defense is struggling, but you have an X factor with Morgantown. Historically, a tough place to play. Um, big teams come in and don't get it done. So aside from the home field advantage think about, you know, what are some keys to victory for West Virginia this weekend? What do you think the team's got to do to pull out? Uh, I think the very first and most important thing is it's, it's, and it's the one thing you circle every game turnovers. Don't kill yourself. Don't give Kansas state good field position. Give us a chance. Don't make the turnovers and and penalties. Don't make the, the false start on first and goal or or third and goal, you know, or, or like, Personal foul. Last week, honestly, Sam James, and this is the first call I believe we've ever gotten in the Big 12 Conference because the Big 12 Conference refs hate us. First call we've ever got last week, um, I believe it was a pickoff, and our receiver drills him after he takes a knee in the end zone. They decide not to call it, which just shocked me, but we have to be disciplined. This is where This is where we have to be disciplined. No stupid penalties and no turnovers. If we do that, we've always, most of the time, we've had a chance. Don't kill yourself, and, and, and we'll be in this game. I really believe that. So, Jeremy, real quick, we we invited one of our fans to the stage. His name is uh, Coley Dub. He's based out of Austin, Texas. He's a K-State guy. But earlier this season, we were doing a preview for the Tulane game, and, and he – had you know he just went on like a five minute diatribe about how the state lines of the state of West Virginia make absolutely no sense to him 
and just went on this rant about that. So, so Cole has some questions and some comments lined up for you. It, it may be way, state line related. It may not be. But. By the way, it's really funny for somebody to be so passionate about state lines. But yeah, do you think? It's, do you think it's that? absurd and it means nothing? Um, my nonsensical questions are not regarding state lines. Um, my question is. Uh, Tell me more about this whole couch burning tradition of West Virginia, because if all else, if all else fails in my life, I'm going to move to Morgantown and open up a furniture store that strictly sells couches just to be burnt. And I'm going to need West Virginia to win some more games in basketball and football, football and basketball to really get my business going. So tell me about that whole history if you can. And I'm also a little curious about, your history with West Virginia and how y'all got how you got tied in with uh, West Virginia and your history with the. No, I love it. All right, first thing I want to say is I meant to start this out by saying Kansas State is one of the few teams in the Big Twelve that I don't dislike because we have a common uh, we have a common you know we're almost like family. I mean, Bob Huggins was down there for a year, man. You know. He, he did his thing with the Wildcats. I love it. Bill Walker. Bill Walker played with you back in 2008. He's from Huntington. He's a West Virginia boy. He played, for o, he played with O.J. Mayo. He played with uh, Patrick Patterson. So Kansas State, man, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I won't say I'm a fan, but I root for them against every other Big 12 team. The couch burning thing is funny because I go on these podcasts, and they always ask me this, and the truth is I don't know the history of it. I don't know when it started. All I do know is that we must ignite this couch was a big thing, especially during the Pat White and Steve Slayton days. And they would, and, and I will say we, but they, they would burn couches in Morgantown. Big game, that's how it went down. My brother always says, he's like, there's a reason why West Virginia's never won a national championship. Because God knows if we won anything, we wouldn't know how to handle ourselves. That's same with Manhattan. And, that, <laughs> and that's no, and that's the truth. If we ever won a national championship, they would burn this state to the ground. And I'm not even joking. There's so much passion because unlike other places, there's nothing else in West Virginia. There's one team, the West Virginia Mountaineers, and don't say Marshall. I love little brothers, but it's not the same. We have no pro teams. We have no pro baseball team, no no pro basketball team, no pro football team, no hockey team, no minor league soccer team, no no nothing. The state of West Virginia is, is Mountaineers through and through. So we live and die with everything uh, Mountaineers. And then I'll add on, on top of that the fact that there's so many people who disparage West Virginia, sometimes rightfully, sometimes they're just taking shots. Then it feels like it's us against the world. So, like, we, we live with a chip on our shoulders, but that's also the reason why when we win, man, it's a beautiful thing, and couches get burned. I will uh, I will say I have a uh, – he's not my uncle, but he's, like, my aunt's husband. Like a step-uncle, I guess. Uncle by law. Yeah, uncle by law. He not only has a coonskin hat – but he also knows how to play the banjo extremely well. And it's just very. I love it. I love it. Um, I'll also answer your second question. The way we got started with West Virginia is my, I was born and raised here in Parkersburg, West Virginia, where our athletic director, Shane Lyons is actually from, excuse me, our old athletic director, Shane Lyons is from. 
Uh, I was born and raised here in Parkersburg. Me and my brothers were my, my dad's big time Mountaineer fan. My parents are actually from Long Island. Long, long time ago, before my oldest brother was born, they were coming to West Virginia because I think we had family somewhere and they saw some absurd making the front paper. And my dad was like, if this stupid crap is making the front paper, I'm raising my family here, not in the middle of the city. So that's the reason why I'm from West, by God, Virginia. The I've always loved West Virginia. My dad, you know, and in, in, I'm not in Brennan's, uh, indoctrinated us into the West Virginia lifestyle. My first game I ever went to was in 1993. I was seven years old. The Miami Hurricanes came into town ranked number three with Warren Sapp and The Rock was on that team. West Virginia was ranked number five, and we beat them 17-14. It was the greatest moment I have ever had at a college football game, and I thought that every game was like that. Um, it was a beautiful moment, and I've been hooked ever since. So we're Mountaineers through and through. Uh, do you know why the sky is blue and the sun's gold? Why is that? Hit us. Because God's because God's a Mountaineer fan. There you go. <laughs> I, matter of fact, they called us almost heaven, West Virginia. We would be heaven, but we're attached to Ohio. So, I think I can speak for everybody here. Um, other than you, I'm the most frequent uh, visitor to Morgantown. I'm I'm currently in uh, Columbus, Ohio. So, I mean, usually taking that trip is it's only like a three hour car ride down there. I usually go every year to Morgantown. Not gonna be able to make it this year, but you know. I want to talk. I I went to school in Southern Ohio, so we're right there on the border. That couch what, what, what burning. Part, what part? What part? Southern Ohio. Uh, right next to OU, so Athens, Nelsonville, Ohio. Where I my was brother, right there. My brother lives in Nelsonville. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's a little ghost town right now because of the inner uh, the bypass. But you know, I love yeah. that place. I went to school there. Yeah, Brandon, um, Brandon lives right there in Nelsonville. That's awesome. You know, uh, that that tradition. I don't know if it came from Morgantown, but Oh, you adopted that couch burning tradition. I don't know if it's just that region, but we really embrace that. And I, I want to ask you this because no, no, real quick, real quick, real quick. You got to tell the people at the block party. OU's block party. Oh, I mean, OU's block party is wild. I mean, Athens gets absolutely insane. I mean, that's oh. one of I, I think it's probably one of the biggest party schools in America. No, they're it's, always top five. They're always top Morgan Tales yeah. always top five. OU's top five. And matter of fact, the block party, if you look up I don't want look at Playboy, but the Playboy <laughs> top parties to go to in college things, the block party uh, in OU is always like a top three you must go to. It's, it's, it's like crazy. a it's like a four day party for real. I mean, but it's yeah, it's it's crazy. But I the reason why I brought that up and where I'm at currently is because I, I feel like I'm on an island because I'm a K State fan here in Ohio and I don't really get to participate like with like how fireball Matt and my boy, Bob trolls, he's out in Colorado, but you know, they, they get to participate. They're kind of in that region and being a West Virginia fan in the big 12, it seems like we're kind of on an Island, but with the new expansion adding Cincinnati, is that something that fires you up about the new big 12 and being, having another regional school in the area? It's funny how, uh, it's funny how little things can make mean so much. And honestly, oh, yo, you mean tell me one school? Yeah, no, it's a big deal. It because to, to go anywhere else, it's halfway across the country. Like I don't think people understand. Mountaineer fans travel, and we travel really well, and we love watching our Mountaineers. So to have Cincinnati close, it's actually a big deal. And you know what? Actually, UCF is a big deal, not because it's close, because you know the Midwest is the same thing. But where would you rather go? 
to Ames, Iowa or Orlando. And a lot of people in West Virginia go down to Orlando anyway every single year. So to have somebody, I don't know, just to be able to travel to, to feel like they're a real, I don't know, rival. I'm not calling Cincinnati our rival. I will not until it happens. But to have them close and be able to go there, you know, I call them the Cincinnati's. To be able to go there, man, it's going to be nice. Well, and y'all recruit Florida quite a bit too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Noel Devine. Yeah, so that's going to be good from a recruiting perspective. <laughs> Noel Devine. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. that's my guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of Florida boys. There's so much talent down there. We used to have Doc Holliday, who was the Marshall coach uh, a few years ago. But, like, he was – the reason why everybody wanted him is because he's the master recruiter of Florida, so – yeah. Man, I I love it. Well, well, Jeremy, it's been awesome to have you on, man. I'm I'm again bummed that we couldn't get both you and your brother because I mean, with the with the the heat that you're spitting out tonight, uh, I couldn't imagine getting both of you in a room with us and, and seeing how that how that would go. But oh uh, man, uh, hit us, you know, before before we let you go, uh, hit us with uh, where where the people can find you. Tell us a little bit more about Raspy Voice Kids, uh, and uh, finally round it out with a score prediction. All right, so the Raspy Boys Kids, man, every week we do a pop culture, which I don't know, could be we've done what's your favorite soda, Pepsi or Coke. We've done what's the best pop tart. Uh, we've done what's a better movie, Toy Story or Lion King. We also do a thing called Am I the Apple? We don't cuss on our podcast, so instead of saying the real word, we just say Apple, Am I the Apple? And people get on and they, they talk about certain situations that went on, and then me and Brandon will dissect Who's the jerk in the situation? But then again, we get into football. We get into, uh, you know, what's going on in West Virginia. We also talk about the NFL schedule and college football schedule. It's just real. I'm a little bit more passionate. He's a little bit more cerebral. Um, We are brothers, so clearly we don't disagree on a lot of stuff, but we all have the same goal. So, you know, it's a good time. It's a good thing. You can find us anywhere, Spotify, uh, I think Amazon, there's a million places. I always just tell people, just Google us. Google me, baby. Yeah. Raspy Boys Kids. RBK. Raspy Boys Kids. You oh. Google us. You can find us. We, we've done our YouTubes. Like, we have a Why We Hate Kansas State uh, from last year. We have Why We Hate Ohio State. Why We Hate Tennessee. Why We Hate Any Team That Is Next Up On Our Schedule. We've been doing it for four years. It's great stuff. And, uh, you know, just get at us. Let us know. I will say that of all the guests, Bob, that you've brought on to the podcast, I know we're new to this, but this is this podcast, the Raspy Voice Kids, is my favorite podcast that I listen to from the Big 12 network. Like just uh, of all the Big 12 teams that I listen to, Raspy Voice Kids, I mean, they don't take it just it's just not a sports vomit of just sports right in your face. I mean, that pop culture segment I mean, the King of Pop one that you guys just did was yeah, awesome. Right. I mean, I, I listen to you guys all the time, and I hey, by really the way, appreciate who, you being on. Who, who's your King of Pop? You know, it's it's the answer is clear cut for me that it's Michael Jackson. But, you know, me, I'm, I'm not old and I'm not young. So I'm like 32. So I grew up with Chris Brown, and that guy was – next level for my like teenage year so i i always went with chris breezy i'm a breezy boy myself oh i get you i get you did you hear my reasonings for michael jackson though yeah of course but when, when mean, you can make like look there's a big bunch of things face recognition across the world okay yeah uh the numbers like him changed the game with the videos that's big too 
But the reason why I call him the king of pop is when you can make a disgusting, vulgar gesture, like grabbing your crotch, crotch. mainstream, yeah. where all kinds of artists are doing it now and football players, like, just stop it. You're going to have to, for somebody else to be the king of pop, they're going to have to make something like picking their nose cool, okay? <laughs> <laughs> the I mean, it's it's clearly Michael Jackson is the king of pop. He's the king of really music, and he 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 changed the game. I mean, he made, like you said, the videos when thriller, I was, I wasn't even alive yet for thriller, but thriller came out and that was a freaking movie. He made people sit through a movie to watch his music. Like that is insane. He he's above and beyond anything that anybody could ever touch in the music industry. Let, let and, me ask you one yeah. question. I, I asked you one question and they got to roll. Cause I got to get some wings. Uh, gotcha. 10 o'clock here in the East. Yep, me too. Like I'm right here. <laughs> the place closes like 11:30. I got to go get some wings. I've been putting it off. But here, here's the question. I want all of you guys to answer it. I'm gonna give you two tickets. I'm not really going to, but in this question, I'm gonna give you two tickets to go sit front row to go see anybody, dead or alive, dead or alive. Who are you going to see? Oof, for me, alive right now, I would go sit to a Post Malone concert front row that would be i mean he, he puts on a damn good show and then dead no no you know no, just one just one just one you don't get oh two. i only get dead, one dead or alive you get two tickets oh, to one show now you oh. can give me now you can give me an opener and then the headliner if you want to okay it will post malone's my opener and then i want to see Ooh, damn that's great kanye give me kanye easy it's a little controversial right now. I don't. I don't enjoy. Yeah, I was gonna, gonna say. <laughs> oh <laughs> man. Um, so I'm actually a big. Uh, I'm a big '80s guy, and uh, if I was gonna have an opener, we get Tears for Fears to open and Phil okay. Collins to close it out. Phil Collins and Genesis. Oh my. That that is oh, that yeah. is that's elite. That's elite fireball map. Mine would probably be I've seen him perform, but I don't remember it because I was hammer drunk for it. But I would I would want to be front row for Willie Nelson opening for Buddy Holly. Ooh. Oh, man, you guys are coming up with some good ones. I I you guys want to know? I cooked for Willie. Oh, I cooked for Willie Nelson when I was in school what? in Nelsonville. Yeah, I cooked for Willie Nelson. I went to culinary school in Nelsonville and he has the Willie festival there in Nelsonville. I think it's called the Willie festival, but how, he, how, old, how old are you again? I'm 32. Okay. Okay. So you made him like soup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, I, I can't remember what we made him. We made him like some filet with like whatever. I don't know if he ate it, but you know, we served it to him. Gotcha. Willie. Do you know my Willie's answer? awesome. Go my ahead. My answer is always, my answer always will be, give me late 80s Michael Jackson as my headliner, and I'm having Queen open for him. Damn. I don't, I don't know who the opener for me is, but I'm going to go with uh, the original Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Good pick, good pick. Yeah, that was, that was uh, probably next on my list. Um, hey, Jeremy, real quick, what's your score prediction? And then we'll let you get your wings, man. Man, that's a good question. Um, honestly, I go 31. Oh, shoot. 
31-17, Kansas State. I'll take it. Sign me up. Yeah, yeah, I'll take I I have I have the well, Jeremy, I appreciate you. I know you gotta get to wings and I, I won't make you sit through our score predictions, but hey, don't worry about it. I'm I'm putting my pants on as we speak. Yes, sir. <laughs> I appreciate you being on here. All, all of us really do. I mean, it's it's been a real blast, buddy. Hey, I appreciate you guys appreciate you guys having me on. And uh sorry if I rambled too much, but Oh no, this was perfect. That's what this is all about. Uh yeah, Bob, man. if you want me you want me to go with my score prediction? Yeah, Chef, fire it up. Okay, I got it 31 13 cats. I think it I think we might be a little bit too much for them defensively and they, I think they're going to throw some things at us from the kitchen sink that we're going to have to score late to get it to the expanded lead, but I got 31-13. All right. Um, I'm going to go 34-28. Um, I'm, again, I'm a, a, I'm someone who takes home field advantage into account, and I, I think it's going to be a tough environment for K-State uh, on Saturday. I do think in the fourth quarter we'll – We'll get a, a late touchdown to to seal victory for us and uh, get us on the road to, or get us on the road to the last uh, game. I mean, for me, this was a difficult decision because I was thinking about the reverse jinx that worked for us last week. Texas did the reverse jinx on us the previous week. I'm going to go with the reverse jinx yet again. I'm going to 35-29 Mountaineers, uh, but my gut wouldn't have me say that, but I'm not going to tell you all what my gut has, so – Anybody else in the room, fire up your you, predictions. What? Wait, what's have, up, Jerry? You have lost your mind if you think we're scoring over 30 points. <laughs> if you think West Virginia is going to win, no, I'm not. I'm not even. I know that was like a funny comment. I'm not joking or laughing. If West Virginia wins, it's going to be a 24 21 game. There's no way we, we go over 30. But, anyways, fellas, I'm going to get off here. I got to run. Sorry. Appreciate it. Thanks. You, Thanks we'll for joining. You Thank you. Thank you for joining. All right, buddy. Take it easy. All right, Coley Dub, hit us with your score prediction. Um, I think in Bosco Boys, we said 34-27. I'm going to stick with it. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be right around that spread, um, just 34-27. Going on the road just at West Virginia always scares the shit out of me. So Definitely some trap game vibes, even though it's – is it really a trap game if we're playing – KU next week. Um, but you know, if, if big 12 championship is on the horizon, I can also see it being trap game looking ahead, but I just don't think, I don't think Kleiman does that, man. I don't think he's going to let that team do that. No, we already had that game this year with Tulane and we learned from that. I mean, the two games that we've lost, we just lost straight up and man, I don't, I don't see West Virginia being a task. I mean, I've heard from every single person giving me their opinion on why West Virginia is going to be this like mountain that we have to like climb and that they're going to be this, that, or the other. I just, I've watched them enough. And obviously we just heard from a guy that's watched West Virginia a lot. And I couldn't imagine somebody being that brutally honest about their team. That's a very like, even when point. K-State – even when K State's bad, like I cannot imagine being that like so honest with myself. Like there's always something to put sunshine pump, and he didn't. He cut it straight there, and that's how I see West Virginia. I've watched, I've, I mean, I've watched every game of their season on YouTube basically, and they're not good. 
they're just not. I mean, as somebody who is probably the most pessimistic out of the three, I don't even think I would get to that level. And that's saying something because I usually pick us to lose. I don't know. I feel like things, obviously this podcast and live show didn't exist back in 2018, but I feel like I was pretty down bad in 2018 toward the end of Snyder. But yeah, that, that was, he was brutally honest. It was awesome having Jeremy on, go ahead and check out raspy voice kids uh, and follow him. I think it's at JN Fien, uh and his brother is at Brandon Phoenix, I want to say, or no, yeah. he's at, I also hate Pitt. It's I also hate Pitt. That's what there. it is. So, yeah. Yeah. Follow, follow those guys. They're part of the 10, 12 awesome network. We've had a bunch of them on this year to help preview uh, the other big 12 opponents that we're playing in each of the consecutive weeks of big 12 conference play. But with that, we've Quick. got our locks for the week. I mean, Cole, if you got something, fire. I was up. just going to ask if you had the, uh, if you knew who you're going to invite up next week. So that's, that's kind of an open question. I mean, I, I threw it out there to the Twitterverse to see if anybody had any specific people. I got a lot of, you know, scoops, Meister, Dylan Davis, Brian, Brian Haney. And I'm, I'm just, part of me just doesn't even want to have a KU fan up or KU reporter up. And part of me is like, should we just troll them the entire time? Should we invite Scoopsmeister and just be, you know, absolute dude, trolls to it them? It would be hilarious, but do it what's would, best. but I would do feel like best. a terrible person. Yeah, no, do, do yeah, what's good would. for your reputation. <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll leave that decision to uh to to the other parts of the brain trust here, but we've got our locks for the week. I am gonna go ahead and start it here. So last week went two for five. I was actually a lot closer on a secondary uh parlay that I that I put together, but that one ended up not hitting thanks to Iowa State. But we won't get into the detail of that. My locks for last week. The ones that hit were TCU plus seven and a half and Indiana at Ohio State, the over 58 and a half hit in that one. Missed on Baylor over 53 and a half at K or K State at Baylor. Missed KU at Tech under 64 and a half and then missed Colorado at USC plus 34 and a half. Uh, I thought that was just a lot of points and USC proved me wrong there. But this week I've got TCU at Baylor. I'm taking TCU minus two and a half. I've got K-State at West Virginia, West Virginia plus seven and a half. I do think this is going to be a tight one regardless. So I'm going to take West Virginia to cover this week. We've got Texas at KU. You all know who I'm picking here. I'm, I'm taking KU plus nine and a half. KU's 10, two and one against the spread in the last 13 games. They seem like a shoe in for that one. We've got Tech at Iowa State. I'm taking Tech plus three and a half. And then in Bedlam, at Oklahoma, I am taking Oklahoma State plus seven and a half. Sick, sick, sick. Oklahoma State. Uh, um, I went three for four last week. I only lost LSU. Um, they did not cover the three point. They were favored by uh, three at Arkansas. I needed that late touchdown. That would have been nice. Hold on, they they uh, covered then. It was thirteen to ten, wasn't it? You son of a bitch. Let's go. I forgot. I, you know what? I, it was minus three on when last Wednesday, it was three and a half when I placed the parlay. Oh, so I screwed my hell. Screwed, screwed myself. Yeah. I was oh, going to say, I, I got, I got that at 
plus three and a half for Arkansas. Oh, that is a murder. Uh, okay. Oh All right. So, so I guess I went four for four. Who'd have thought? Um, so this week, uh, I have a four again. Uh, TCU uh, minus two and a half at Baylor. I have Kentucky plus 22 and a half at home against Georgia. Um, That's a lot I think of Kentucky's points. Gonna... <laughs> it's a lot of points. Um and then uh, I have UCLA plus two and a half against USC um, in the, the Rose Bowl and Oregon minus three against Utah in Eugene. So hopefully I can go four for four. I hope so, too. I mean, you guys got Matt. I'm, they should just be called Matt's locks because, you know, you're you're on fire. Uh, Bob, well, they're not Bob's locks anymore to... because we just changed it to our locks. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to work on you, but you know, I don't, I don't hate any of the picks you've got. You and, say you know, that every the... week. You say that every <laughs> yeah. week. I do, I do. But you know, this week in particular, it's a lot of emotion in it invested in for me, especially that KU pick. You know, I've. I'm ho- I'm hoping for the money line for KU because this is the scenario. Ooh. We win, KU wins, we're in. That's all we have. That's the that is the haiku. I don't know if that's the actual haiku, but if I had to write a poem, that's what I would write. It would be KU KU wins, we win, we're in. That's the Big Twelve Championship rides through that. That's all we need. We could do it. Too many, too many syllables, chef. Too many syllables. Ah, fuck. I know. Damn it. Um, speaking of just a quick uh, locks piece, so uh, so I'm, I've been in Philadelphia this week, and I went to the uh, I went to the Monday Night Football game. Eagles played the uh, the Commanders. 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 And uh, so some of the sports books here, of course, had some big, you know, bets on the Eagles get, uh, you know, get some bets down on the Eagles. And the entire time, like Eagles are going to easily beat the commanders. Jalen Hurts is going to go off. A.J. Brown's going to go off. And uh, Matt's locks for the Eagles were not successful. So, I mean, dude, that's division rivalries, though, that that happens every year. There's some kind of weird division rivalry that upsets the top team in the division. And it's the same thing with conference play and rivalry games. I don't know. There's there's just a lot of weirdness that happens. Like when the Chiefs get beat by the Raiders, whenever that does happen, the Raiders could be two and ten going into a game and at Arrowhead and then come out with a you know 20 point victory at some point. So division well, rivalries not- are weird. Things things Let's get not weird. Throw there. the jinx on because we got Chiefs versus the Bolts on Sunday night. So oh, I'm not throwing I'm not throwing any jinxes out there. I'm just saying. I'm just that was a hypothetical. That was a complete just total <laughs> random hypothetical. Chef, you've got us for guys talking ball. I, I hear there are some recruiting rumors and, and things you want to talk about on on the Dylan Edwards front potentially. Well, I mean. If you read the tea leaves, if you if you're into Instagram likes and comments, if you're into that thing, I don't know if you're not everybody follows 17 year old boys like I do. But if you were into that, <laughs> this is coming from the guy into that said that football was pure when you could sit on another man's face. Okay, well now you, you can't construe those two because that's that's a crime. You can't you can't put those two together. 
But I have no further in, commentary. If, if you're into looking at Instagram likes and comments and, you know, just the tea leaves and we've got professionals that follow this stuff. And I don't want to give away like premium content from, you know, DY or anything like that. But Dylan Edwards is kind of back in the fold. He we has to do some hurdles with mending those relationships. But I think that could get done. I mean, people man up, people say some few words and we could get this guy back in the fold. And that would be massive. Do, do we I, think? I really, do we think that Leon Edwards will unblock everybody that he blocked on Twitter? Because I didn't ever say anything about it other than praising Dylan when he committed, and then said nothing about it since. And then Leon blocked me for no reason. I, I haven't been. Everybody get. It's so funny. Like I'm not too deep in the K State Twitter verse. Like I, I kind of have like a little niche in the K State Twitter following, but you know, I'm not too big into it. But. I don't get blocked by nearly the people that everybody else gets blocked by. It's so funny. Like the, the, what's the Brandos and uh, Red Dirt Sport. The West Coast, like, I got blocked by Red, Red Dirt, Dirt like, Sport on Saturday. Big game, big game boomer and like the West Coast riders and stuff like that. I don't get blocked by any of those guys. And everybody just left and right, like, what did he say? Because I'm blocked. I'm, I'm still somehow but, in Brando's good graces. I don't know how. I shitpost about that guy constantly and never <laughs> have gotten blocked by him. But, yeah, I mean, I really I really wanted to talk about this overall recruiting for K-State because um, since we've started the podcast, we've this is the best class that K-State has had in a long-ass time. Even even where we stand with the Dylan Edwards decommitment and stuff like that, we are in the Josh Manning situation with Mizzou, I, which I hope also could turn around, but I don't think it will because I think we've, we've garnered enough wide receivers in this class. But we're still – if you look at some, we're cracking almost the top 30 in recruiting, and that is – never happening in that case state which is bananas yeah i this upcoming class has some stud players and that's not even counting avery johnson obviously i have seen joe jackson's highlights and as you know he's in he's posted as an athlete he's probably going to come in you would imagine as a running back absolutely he's a he's a shifty player i mean he looks he he looks like he needs to build a little bit of, you know, a little bit of muscle. That's not a bad thing. Like he's going to come in and get into the weight room. But the thing for the 2023 class that excites me is just the local talent that we're getting. We're getting kids from Kansas. We're getting kids from Missouri and we need to be known as the best, you know, we're the program in Kansas. Right. And so we should be getting that talent. We should in those top kids in the class to be looking at Kansas state and, this I, I feel like this 2023 class and, and Colin Klein coming, you know, bringing this offense, you know, a different look on offense, and you know, we we just have a really good staff that is built to recruit, and that's very exciting. You know, it brings a lot of promise for 2024 as well, and also with what they do in the transfer portal. I mean, it it has been impressive, and it hasn't been something that I've seen in my time as a fan at K-State. And, and that brings a lot of excitement. 
I will say this also with the recruiting, you know, I mean, think of back like some of the bo- the best players that that we dabbled in. I mean, that 2000 and like, what, I don't remember what class that was, but we dabbled in Georgia heavy with like the Elijah Sullivan's, the Justin Hughes's and uh, we were Duke Shelley. We, we were dabbling in Georgia heavy. And I remember a time when Florida was a, a stomping ground for K state. And now we're getting back into it heavy. I mean, you brought up Joe Jackson, but uh, there's a kid from Lakeland, Florida, uh, uh, offensive tackle, Voss. He is an absolute unit. And if you – I don't remember. There was a basketball player that I don't remember. But, I mean, this guy's neck is on that level. If you just go look at his his profile for recruiting, his neck is four foot long. And he looks like a giraffe. And you – and like I said, I follow 17-year-old boys, and I know their body types. If a 17-year-old has a neck like that, he is going to develop into an absolute freak. He is he's six foot seven, six foot six, and with a neck like that, he's going to be an absolute unit. An offensive tackle that we dream about. The thing the thing and that's the thing that's wild to me is Will Ancio is the on according to on three's consensus, Will Ancio is the lowest rated recruit in the class. And that dude had multiple power five offers. He was Absolutely. heavily courted by Iowa state. He went to my alma mater, Cape Mount Carmel in Wichita. So I'm super stoked for him. But I remember Scott talking about from Bosco's boys, like he thinks this guy could have NFL potential because he's got that frame. He's got that six, six two ten already frame for a tight end and he's, you know, 17, 18 years old. And he goes up and gets it. He's a receiving tight end. And we could talk about a, a little bit, but when, when Colin, I mean, not Colin Klein, but when Chris Kleiman got here, that was the North Dakota state way was to have those guys that were like a six, five, six foot four, six foot six, somewhere in that range. But they were just, they weren't developed all the way yet. You don't want a guy that peaked in high school. Bill Snyder used to do that. That Sam Howardville kid that that was like from Arkansas. He was like a powerlifting champion. Those guys peaked too early. You don't want those guys. You want guys that to develop in the program. You want Felix. You recruit. Yeah, you want a Felix, a six foot five, a six foot four, two hundred and ten pound defensive end with shoulders that looks like he could add 40 pounds of weight. You want those guys. And Will Ancio is one of those guys where he's a six foot five, 220 pound tight end, but you put 20, 30 pounds on that guy and a guy he he's been sent it, but taller. And you want that. You want those kind of guys. And I think we're recruiting at such a high level and it's all started. We didn't, you, you brought him up just a little bit ago, Matt. It's Avery Johnson. He is the linchpin for this class. I mean, we could probably spend the next like 20, 30 minutes just talking about this kid. An elite 11 quarterback is on our recruiting class, recruiting for us, getting players in. That is bananas and in pajamas. I mean, I hope he comes to the KU game because I'm sure that we'll have a, you know a good showing your recruits coming there. But he has been kind of this unofficial recruiter for the 2023 class, and and I think he knows how important it is, of course, to bring in really good talent. 
and play around really good talent. Um, you know, is Dylan Edwards coming back? I am very pessimistic on that. I'm, I mean, I, I am, um, I, I was a guy that was hoping to see maybe John Randall Jr. I know that might not be looking too hot either, but you know, I do think getting another running back in the class is important and another wide receiver, um, you know, one or two more wide receivers. Um, and I'm sure that's going to be an area where we'll hit the transfer portal as well in the off season, get, you know, some power five guys to come in in that position. And we have, J- you know, Jaden Jackson as well, who hasn't really played, but, you know, I'm sure he's developing on the back end to be ready. And then Sterling Lockett, you know, we're going to have another Lockett catching. Lockett, RJ Garcia. I mean, we're, we're good at receiving. I mean, like you said, we're going to have to hit the transfer portal. And that's part of the recruiting too. You have to figure out what numbers you want to get in this high school class and kind of cut it off. So you have those scholarship guys because that's the one thing that I will say that's benefited us at K-State, and I'm I'm knocking on wood right now, that uh, that it stays this way. But when you have success at a program for a season, kids don't want to leave right now because the transfer portal like is starting to pick up a little bit for like teams that are losing. I think West Virginia, speaking of our next opponent, they just lost like one of their best like recruits from this past season. He's just dipped out because they're losing. He doesn't want to be part of a losing team. He's just going to get in the transfer portal now and get it over with. His head coach is probably going to get fired, so why not? But when you have Chris Kleiman and the team's hunting for a Big 12 title, you're not going to have guys on the team right now that are trying to abandon ship. So your your numbers are solidified, but the transfer portal is going to be huge. And people are talking about it's going to be – not people are saying it's not going to be a, a up year, but it's not going to be a down year either. But with the track record that Chris Kleiman has and the coaching staff has with building of a team with the transfer portal, we could be right back at it again, boys. Oh, for year. sure. For sure. And I do, I do want to correct myself. I had this thing filtered wrong on, on three, but uh, Will Ancio isn't the lowest rated recruit in the class. It's Asher Tomaszewski or Tomaszowski or yeah, who is from a very similarly named, very similarly named high school in Mark, Mount Carmel uh, Academy in, in Chicago. But uh, he's 82.45 on on three. He's a consensus three star. So he's still pretty, pretty damn good for whatever. Who that's knows for. what position that kid's going to play? I don't even. I, mean, I don't know. He's an interior offensive line knows. right now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, but six four two seventy five. Is he six four? Oh Lord. Okay, maybe he is a nose guard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they compare. I mean, if you listen to Dy, he compared him to Eli Huggins, and that's the size that Eli Huggins was when he came out of Georgia. Another one of those Georgia boys that I was talking about, like not fully developed into a three hundred pounder out of high school he can grow and get those man muscles on him. And man, I mean, this class is just special and I I hope people don't take it for granted because if we can keep the core of this together, this is what I'm talking about. Like this is how you build a team. And I would, we talked about it earlier in the year. How do you get to not necessarily blue blood status, but where you're consistently winning 
who's to why are who's to say we can't win ten games every year, nine games every year? Who's to say why do we have to have down years to have a Big Twelve championship? Let's consistently win those games and be a, a let's be a team that's constantly at the top. I we can do it. I agree with that. I mean, and and real quick, I just want to point out your point about uh, Tomaszewski or however you want to say his name. He is very similar size also to Hadley Panzer, who is a rival's two-star coming out of Lake in Kansas. Hold on. Uh, he was 6'4", 6'4", 295. <laughs> hold on. So, and he's, hold on. Okay, okay. He's, okay. he's getting reps. He's getting reps on the O-line now. Right. Yeah, I mean, he Panzer, those O-linemen, those guards, you can kind of tell that they've got guard builds. I mean, I don't know if this Tom Azusi's got a guard build. He's kind of – he's – He's more muscular. He seems like he's he's not thick at the like waist. Like Panzer, when he takes his shirt off, my God, the dude's a barrel. A freak. <laughs> what you have? Why do you have so many one liners tonight? That I'm just cracking up in the I'm back. I'm dead. I'm dying. <laughs> what? He's a barrel. <laughs> a hairy barrel. Our whole old line is just hairy barrels. That's what we're looking for, right? I guess you know that's the that's the K State way. Harry barrels. Are you saying? Wait, are you saying that I have a shot to go play O line at K State? Matt, you still I have eligibility. Look, when I look at when I saw Matt off the that back of that pickup truck, I was like, this dude plays. <laughs> he plays and he takes shots of fireball, and that dude can play. He's got a he's got a Harry barrel for sure. Hey, that yeah, I still have uh, four years of eligibility, right? I want. I would love to see it, dude. You walk on, I'm, dude. Your your nil money is gonna be through the roof because I'm buying a lot of gear for oh, that Fireball Matt Matt. Matt. jersey. Oh, are you? Let's send you. Let's send you back to. Let's send you back to grad school. You'll get you know a, a landscape architecture degree or some shit, and come out of it on the other side with four years of eligibility being the next Brandon Whedon, but on the offensive line. And he's, a, he's a fireball <laughs> brand athlete. That would be www.k-state.edu slash apply. Here we go. go. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Official campaign for, uh, for the rest of, of the Coke fiends out there who are listening. We need to get a fireball Matt back to K-State, playing on the football team, on the offensive line, as a fireball-endorsed athlete because he's fireball mad. The dude the dude wins us games by taking shots of fireball. So he could do the same if he's on the offensive line. Absolutely. Dude, this was a fun episode. I, th- I We could touch on more recruiting, but I think we could just leave it there, buddy. I think, I think we are good to put the final nail in the coffin. And for all of us here at Cocaine Willie and everybody in the live room, thank you for listening and contributing. Everybody on the podcast feed, thanks for tuning in as well. Next week, we have absolutely nobody lined up for the KU preview. But if you really, really are dying to hear some squawk loser talk to us about KU football, let us know. Give Cocaine Willie a follow on Spotify to be notified when we drop our episodes or when we go live. Leave us a review. Give us five stars. If you're on Twitter, follow the show at Cocaine Willie or follow us all individually. Once again, I'm your commissioner, Bob Trollsby. We've got at Chef Andre Napier and at Matt Marchesini. 
Chef? Co- cocaine's a hell of a drug, baby. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> we can try that again. Chef? Cocaine's a hell of a drug, baby. <laughs> we are all cocaine, no joke. Wildcat country. That's right. That's right. right. <laughs> oh, this is just a shit show. Bless it.